Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 351 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. Only two cards to go over from last week. Let's start with this one. It took place on Saturday. It was kind of like midday UK time, but obviously evening in Australia at the Gold Coast Convention Centre in Broad Beach, Queensland, Australia. Over here, a complete and utter shock. The main event, Maris Breedis, now 28-2, dethroned over 12 rounds unanimously against Jai Opetai, who's now 22-0, and he's now the new IBF Cruiserweight World Champion. Um, yeah, very wide in the end for Jai Apatai. Um, eight rounds to four twice and seven rounds to five um, on the other card. So unanimous and quite clear. Um, I didn't give Apatai a chance in hell and I have to hold my hands up and say I was totally wrong. Um, I hadn't seen him fight as a pro. I know he went to, I think, one of the Olympic Games and went out in his first fight. So I just didn't think there was much to him. But he showed a good chin. Um, he had a broken jaw, I believe, in two places. His mouth at the end of the fight was just forced open. Like, he couldn't close his mouth. It was wide open, and the uppercuts were just... Oh, man, honestly, I think the police were getting ready to arrest Bradis for how much damage he was doing to the guy's jaw. But, um, yeah, Bradis tried to kind of... Uh, go for it late on and he was trailing massively in the fight um, you know he was cut early on as well Bradis and I think maybe if there was a 13th and 14th round then perhaps Bradis could have done something but no he seemed to leave it too late Jai Apatai had a really really good start and he just racked up a very clear um, you know lead early on and Bradis was just there chasing really and he didn't come close so um yeah, he started to trouble him late on, and like I say, if there was a couple more rounds, maybe he would have been able to stop him or something, but he loses and loses clear, and to be honest, that's probably the end of his career, because I think he's about 30, somewhere between about 36 and 38 now, Bradis, so... I think that's going to be the end for him. He's had a really strange last few years. Moving out now to the Wembley Arena in London. I was there for this card. I was sat ringside. Um, let's talk about the um, the undercard first. We're going to start here with Mark Chamberlain. Um, he racked up another win. He's now 11-0. A unanimous decision over 10 against Mark Vidal, who took a real hiding, to be totally honest. Uh, Mark Vidal lost every single round. He's now 13-3 and three with five draws. It was for the vacant IBF European lightweight title. 
Um, yeah, Chamberlain absolutely battered him, to be totally honest. It wasn't even close. Um, Jason Cunningham, now 31-7. and seven. He was knocked out in round four by former two-time world champion Zelani Tete, now 30-4. and four. It was for the IBF International, the vacant WBO International, and the Commonwealth Super Bantamweight titles. Cunningham down twice in round four prior to the knockout. Um, again... Jason Cunningham was having a fantastic run. He really was. You know, I think he beat Gamal Yafai, then beat Brad Foster, and he was just on a sensational run. Because once upon a time, he was a guy that, I don't want to call him a journeyman, but he was in there as the away fighter, in the, you know, on the B side, in the away corner, losing most of the time when he was on a big show. And he's had to do things the hard way. He's never had it easy. He's had to fight on small hall shows and stuff like that. But he went on an excellent run and he got in there with Zolani Tete who was a world class fighter but sometimes he seems to just vanish and you just never know what version of Tete you're going to get and despite all of that you'd still have to favour Tete against Jason Cunningham because I mean Jason Cunningham you know hasn't nowhere near uh, proved his world level in any stretch of anyone's imagination. Despite becoming European champion, it's still not quite world level. And Zelani Tete has in the past showed glimpses of, um, you know, true elite level. So, yeah, you always had to favour Tete, but we didn't quite know what he had left in the tank. And pretty much from the first 30 seconds, you could see he still had all the reflexes and all the moves. And even though he didn't really make a mark in the first round, uh, you could still see that he wasn't done. You know, he had he had something left in the tank, certainly enough to beat Cunningham. So, yeah, let's just say that that fight went as I thought it would. And I had, um, I think I'd even backed him for the knockout, yeah, which was 2-1. to one. Yeah, so good stuff for Zelani Tete and Jason Cunningham, like I say. Knocked out in round four. Zulani Tete moves on. And I want to see him again. Because he, he can't really afford at this point in his career to disappear back to South Africa for another three years. Fighting in in in, in um, obscurity. And the main event, Joe Joyce now 14-0 with 13 KOs. A TKO also in round four. This was against Christian Hammer, who's now 27-10. It was for the WBC Silver and WBO International Heavyweight titles. Hammer down once in the third round and three times in round four. Really good fight to watch ringside because you could see the power shots that both men landed. Particularly the first round was really interesting because Hammer won that round and I was shocked. I mean, he he had Joyce walking into maybe four or five absolute peaches of right hands, like an overhand right, boom, right on the button. But of course, we know that Joe Joyce has a rock-solid chin, and he was taking the shots well. But I was shocked to see, um, you know, Hammer uh, fighting with, with that much, I guess, belief and confidence, just throwing haymakers, and they were landing... Um, so I thought, wow, he's here to actually win. He's not going to come and lay down. He's not going to come and find a way out like he did against Huey Fury, even though he's in with Joe Joyce, who you'd say is better than Huey Fury. Um, so yeah, everyone ringside gave Hammer the round. It was a quite a big round, really. He landed some great punches. Um, then round two was a close one. Round three, of course, he took a knee. So he was down at the end of the round. He lost that one 10-8. 
um, Christian Hammer, and he started to really blow quite heavy by about the third round, as I kind of expected. I thought, yeah, there's no way it goes to the second half of the fight. I bet on that as well. And, um, yeah, so I was quite happy when it was all said and done. Um, yeah, I had Zelani Tete by a knockout, and I had Joe Joyce within six rounds, and a couple other bets where I had him within four rounds, and he did it in four rounds so that was excellent there um but yeah every time it was kind of funny because every time that hammer would go down in round four he'd go down and he'd look at his corner he'd shake his head and you'd be thinking wow he's absolutely done but then he'd beat the count and he'd look absolutely finished and exhausted it was like it was kidology because when the referee said fight on he'd kind of duck down look, looking at the floor then come up with a haymaker of a right hand hoping he could connect and knock Joyce out with one punch but it never worked and he was hitting fresh air most of the time and making himself even more tired and Joe Joyce like I say had him down three times and out of there um, that is it though for the, for the oh no it's not there's one more fight card to mention just briefly from the review part of the show it took place at the City Hall in Hull Yorkshire friend of the show Bradley Ray Brad the Stingray, now 14-0, and 0, a points win over six there against Angel Emelov, who's now 10-42 and 42 with a draw. Good stuff there for friend of the show, Bradley Ray. That is it, though, for the review part of the show. Flown through that. The final thing for me to do before we wrap this part up is to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated number five ranked welterweight in the world with a WBO. It is, of course... Mr. Mikey McKinson. Mikey, welcome back on the show, my man. How you doing, mate? Number 10 uh, with the WBA now as well. Yeah, yeah, Num- I'm aware of that. N- number 12 on BoxRec. So uh, <laughs> things are good. I'm in a great position. I'm happy. Um, and yeah, big fight ahead. Absolutely, man. It's good to have you back on. So we last spoke uh, back in August of last year. It was the week after you'd beaten Ronowski in Eddie Hearn's back garden. Since then, um, it's been, I guess, a little bit of a roller coaster, really. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably an understatement. Yeah, has it been a year since I spoke to you last? Yeah, man, it was last oh, wow. August. So, 11 uh, months Yeah, ago. obviously. Obviously, I uh, had had a big, big fight planned for March. Um, found out in November, so four months preparation for that. Um, it got to fight weeks. We went to America, got to fight week, and uh, obviously Ortiz got rhabdomyosis and had to withdraw. Um, but nonetheless, we still got to fight in America. We beat a good opponent in Alex Martin in LA in March. Um, got paid very well for it, and you know, uh, still got to be the. I think I'm the first. A professional from my city ever to fight in the state so so yeah things are good and we got the fight rescheduled so uh looking forward to august 6th and just i do want to briefly touch on that march 19th date in la obviously you mentioned it the fight gets gets uh pushed back due to the uh medical diagnosis on ortiz's side alex yeah. martin you know you won unanimously over 10 but i think it wasn't your greatest performance a lot of people online were very critical um most of those armchair fans though don't take into account of course that you'd spent the whole camp preparing for an aggressive orthodox knockout artist you end up fighting a southpaw pure boxer who yeah. wanted to box off the back foot was that the reason behind you not looking your best mikey do you know what? Um, I, I don't think the commentary done me any favours. Obviously, I went to America for a Golden Boy fighter on a Golden Boy show, yeah. and they 
they were, the commentary was very, very biased against me. Um, I was always up in the fight. I'd done what I had to do. It wasn't the most exciting fight. Uh, but I, I spent four months preparing to fight a big punching, aggressive orthodox. And fight week, I said yes to seven different names altogether within the five days. And one was tall, one was short, one was strong, one was slick. They were all different. And I said yes to every single one. And whatever reason, they every, one by one, they fell through. One by one, they fell through. And in the end, we got stuck with the complete opposite style of Ortiz, a slick southpaw, um, 250 amateur fights, uh, very, very good amateur pedigree Alex Martin had um, compared to my average 50 fights. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like good fighters got it done. Two southpaws in there, a bit of a clash of styles. But nonetheless, I won the fight clear. The judges gave it to me clear. The commentary didn't. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we got it done. And I think the reason I've got invited back and another opportunity in America is because the way I handled myself over there uh, with a very, very mentally tough week. Um, obviously, I handled myself very well in the press. Uh, I'm a decent talker as well. And I won a lot of support over there. Not Maybe not with the performance, but with the way my character was and the whole experience. I won a lot of supporters. And, yeah, got my opportunity again. Yeah, your attitude, I think, is the word probably best. Um, you gave Alex Martin his fourth loss, just to throw it in there. He's never lost a fight, um, on, according to the scorecards, that wide ever. So you gave him his yeah. most clearest defeat. Um, as you mentioned, the fight's back on with Ortiz. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't think that we'd see the fight rescheduled. I just thought, oh, man, it's going to just disappear, especially because we didn't know if Ortiz was going to be boxing again it was really crazy um did you always kind of know it would be rescheduled mikey or not no i did when i was over there they said they'll reschedule it down the line then there was rumors he'd never fight a 147 again but there are rumors um and then when i see that he was uh, trying to fight avanesian getting a fight with him i thought i was a little bit frozen out because i was promised uh, but in my heart, I never actually did believe that they would I'd get the fight again. So I'm happy that Golden Boy done the right thing in offering me the fight. Um, it was pretty easy to negotiate. I just said, send me the original contract, just change the date. Um, and yeah, now, now we got it. Uh, hopefully everything goes well and um, he's healthy come time I get to Texas. Uh, because this is huge. I don't want it snatched away from me again. Yeah, it is huge, and you touched on it there. It takes place in Texas this time. It's obviously Ortiz's hometown. Does that make a difference yeah. in any way to you? Um, not really. I was going to LA, which is it was a Golden Boy show, and I was fighting Golden Boy superstar in LA. Texas, okay, it's his hometown, but I was built for these things. I was built for these things. I'm built different to many others of... I've been the the B-side several times. I've beat people in their hometowns. I've been booed and abused coming to the ring before and still won. Now we do it on a bigger level. Now we now I go to Texas. It's going to be very hostile. It's good. And I'm the enemy. I'm the villain uh, come August 6th. But you know what? I'm sure with my attitude and my skills and everything else that comes with it, I'm sure I'll win a lot of supporters after the fight. <laughs> Excellent, man. But but we are we're prepared for it to be very hostile, 
Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm built different and I'm built to to be in these type environments. Yeah, no, I believe you. And you're in camp now. We're, we're exactly one month away today from the fight. Um, what is going down, Mikey, at this stage of training camp? Yeah, we're um, we're getting it done. I'm very focused. Uh, I'm traveling to Italy tomorrow. I uh, was in Italy the, a couple of weeks ago as well, getting some good rounds. And I'm traveling um, when I'm back from Italy. I'm going up north for a few uh, for um, I think the remainder of the week so I'm doing a lot of travelling getting the work um, it's very tunnel vision at the moment I just can't wait to get to Texas um, get settled in over there adapt and and yeah get focused on the fight and how do you see the fight playing out I mean we know he's going to bring the pressure we know or I should say I know that you fight at your best when someone's coming at you, but you'll no doubt have to elevate your game higher than we've seen you do, um, you know, under the lights before. Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah, and I'm glad you touched on that. I'll perform better when someone's coming at me. And you look at my last three fights, I haven't been able to fight like that because I've had to be the one forcing it with, with Congo. I was forcing it with Ranowski. He was in a shell. And Alex Martin was negative too. So... People like the last three fights, I haven't been able to showcase like how good I am. I'm I'm a lot better when we've got somebody that's coming for it. Um, you know, Virgil Ortiz is a very very good fighter. He's better than anybody I've ever been in the ring with before. Obviously, um, he's a world class fighter. But you know, he's shown vulnerabilities and and it's not an impossible task. You know, if anyone can exploit. Uh, things he does it's definitely me and my style like yeah we know how tough this fight is but you've got to think by the time August 6th comes Virgil Ortiz would have been out of the ring for 51 weeks and for a young guy with a lot of momentum and a lot of hope just to have that snatched away for a whole nearly a whole year is tough and he's having essentially his comeback fight against somebody that's slick somebody who's very awkward and somebody who's very smart and somebody that has never tasted defeat. He's never been in the ring with anyone that's never tasted defeat, you know. So I'm going to bring all sorts of problems to Ortiz. Um, and like I said before, it's not an impossible task. I really do believe in myself. And, and, and yeah, this is huge for me, everyone around me. Um, and I really do believe I can do it. And I, don't, I just want to say this real quickly because it could go in a different area. I just want to say I remember um, watching you. I think I've said this a million times to you. But when when I was ringside and saw you fight Sammy McNess, that was the fight. I thought, wow, wow, this kid is talented. And, of course, yeah. that was a fight where he came to you. And, honestly, you looked unbelievable that night there. That was what made me a big fan of yours. Um, moving on to my next question. Uh, Ortiz, obviously... Ranked number one with the WBA, WBC, WBO. Um, his world title shot is imminent, you'd have to say. Taking a fight against someone as difficult of an opponent as you are for him is very risky. It is a comeback kind of thing, like you said. Does the winner um, fight for a world title in their next fight, pretty much? Yeah, they've got to, really. I know it's, the belts are held up at the moment and stuff, but like when I beat Ortiz there'll be nothing else I'm looking at. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't look past August 6th. This is my world title. Yeah. Um, this is my world title. I'm a big underdog. 
Um, so I'm fully focused on Ortiz. I'm obsessed with Ortiz right now. But, you know, the winner is in a very, very good position. And, you know, my life's just about to change. I beat Ortiz and I'm an overnight superstar. I can call the shots with what happens next in my career. Oh, man, it is so exciting. I cannot wait for the date just a month away today. I hope it flies by. Uh, my final two questions for you, Mikey. I always like to ask your opinion on other fights that's taking place. We're going to go to heavyweight yeah. for these two here. Um, two yeah. weeks after your fight um, in Saudi, you sit Joshua 2, and also, much more sooner, this weekend, uh, Chisora Pulev 2. What's your opinion on those two? So, obviously, Pulev and Chisora this weekend, firstly, I was watching the uh, a little face-off again today. Pulev trying to get under his skin, and he like, I was I was expecting Chisora to uh, to cause chaos. But um, Chisora is one of my favourite like characters in boxing. To be fair, I'm always rooting for Chisora. Uh, I I, re- I really am. Um, always in exciting fights, and always gives it his all. Uh, do I see him winning? I think he can, but I would put my money on Pulev actually. I put my money on Pulev, um, and with with the uh, uh, Usyk and Joshua fight, Joshua does, in my opinion, need to bring something completely different. Um, like Usyk, Usyk's skill set could beat Joshua easily again, but obviously with Joshua's change of teams, um, he, like he's, he's obviously the underdog now. He's he's got something to take from Usyk and. You know, I really do believe he can become three-time heavyweight champion of the world, but he he, uh, he needs to bring something a lot different than what he did from the first fight. Yeah, because if not, it'll be the same result. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Without a doubt, I think it's it's hard to see it going any other way than what we saw the first time. And just finally, mm. Mikey, if you've got any closing words just before we before we wrap it up, before you sign out, what's your final message to the listeners, my man? Um, yeah, just. Don't don't sleep on McKinson. There's been many times before that people have wrote me off in my career. There's I can I can name six, seven times people have wrote me off and every single time I I prove people wrong with a smile on my face. So um don't sleep on me because because I can really, really produce something special and shock the world on August sixth. Absolutely. Like I say, one month today. I cannot wait. Listen, Mikey, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Thank you for your time. Best of luck August 6th. And of course, we're all behind you all the way, my man. Brilliant, mate. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Friend of the show, uh, Surgeon Prospect Ernesto Mercado returns to action August 25th at the Hangar in Costa Mesa, California. Um, He will be uh, fighting on a Roy Engelbrecht promotions card. I believe that's the guy's name. No opponent just yet for Ernesto Mercado, who had that unbelievable amateur record and has knocked everyone out as a pro. In other news, Liam Smith has signed a... Uh, a a promotional contract with Boxer, so he's going to be back on Sky Sports, so that's brilliant stuff there. Um, They're talking already about him fighting Chris Eubank Jr. I wouldn't mind that fight at all. Um, Elsewhere, it's finally been announced. We're going to see Clarissa Shields get it on with Savannah Marshall. Uh, That one to take place September the 10th. Um, 
It's a great, 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 great fight between two women. And I always pump up women's boxing, but this really is as good as it gets. This is the same kind of level as Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor. Uh, Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall. Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall have that that um, that history, of course, about 10 years ago where Savannah Marshall actually beat Clarissa Shields in the amateurs and that's the only loss that Clarissa has in her entire amateur and pro career that one loss to Savannah Marshall and Savannah Marshall since then you know she didn't she didn't actually do anything in terms of medals in the Olympics whereas Clarissa Shields did she won a gold medal at the Olympics twice and she's you know turned pro and has picked up about 10 world titles Savannah Marshall just the one world title still undefeated under Peter Fury and she has been banging out the same girls that Clarissa Shields went the distance with so I think they've got two common opponents if I'm not mistaken and both of the girls went the distance with Clarissa whereas both the girls got knocked out by Savannah Marshall I think I'm right in saying that I think it was Femke Hermans and um, Hannah Rankin if I'm not mistaken but anyways it's going to be a great fight and on the undercard it's, it's it's another fantastic all-women's fight. Michaela Mayer gets in with Alicia Baumgardner. Wow. Michaela Mayer, of course, undefeated. I think she's coming off that win last time out. I can't remember who it was against now. Um, but she had a fantastic fight last year, of course, with Maeve Hamadouche and Alicia Baumgardner. I'm not sure if, he, if she's defended her world title just yet, but she uh, knocked out Terry Harper, of course. So that's going to be a double header there. Um, between you know two uh, four four females really two fights of course um and that is again September 10th at the O2 Arena in London I really hope to be there because I think it's a fantastic fantastic uh, couple of fights there and there's going to be a four undercard announced and apparently it's all going to just be women's fights so it's going to be interesting to see if they can sell out 20,000 seats I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge but all the best to them um in other news, in other news, um, no, I think that's about it actually for the news. So yeah, that is that. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here at the KRK in Ekaterinburg in Russia. This one is on Saturday, July 9th. We're going to see Magomed Kurbanov, 22-0. That's the guy that controversially got the decision over Liam Smith. He's in a 10-rounder against former world champion Patrick Texera of Brazil, who's 31-3. and um, That's it for that one. Moving out now to the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. Let's start with the undercard. Solomon Dakers, 3-0, gets in with Kevin Espindola, who's 7-4. We've got Ramla Ali, 5-0, the female managed by Anthony Joshua. She gets in with all Augustina Rojas, who's 6-1. Bit of a step up there. We've got Kalmin Agyarko, who's 11-0 in a 10-rounder against Lucas Masic, who is 28-4 with a draw. That one's for the vacant WBA International Super Welterweight title. We've got uh, Fabio Wardley, 13-0 in a 10-rounder against Kingsley Ibe. I'm not sure he's had much notice, but he's 7-2 with a draw. Um, an interesting fight for me, just just a tiny bit here. Felix Cash, 15-0 in a 10-rounder against Vaughn Alexander, the brother of Devon. He's 17-6 with a draw, but he's usually very durable. He's only been stopped once in those six losses, and it was to Zach Parker. He usually is very durable. He doesn't get knocked out. Felix Cash, on the other hand, obviously looked brilliant when he knocked out Denzel Bentley. However, in his last fight, 
it was it was a bit um, sticky for him to be honest. I know he was coming off some ring rust, but uh, so, or some ring inactivity, but he didn't look great. And I'm wondering, I don't, I'm not too sure if he's going to be able to put Vaughn Alexander away. So if there's some value in a Felix Cash points win, I'm going to be on that. So that that could be interesting. I haven't seen the odds yet. Maybe that's what they're expecting to happen. But if it's something like two to one for Felix Cash on points, I will be on that one. We've got the rematch between Israel Madrimov, eight and zero in a twelve rounder against Michel Soro, who's thirty five and three with a draw. I'm not really sure what the point of this rematch is. To be honest with you, I think um, if I'm not mistaken, that like when they had the first fight. I want to say that maybe Soro, I think, was winning it, if I'm not mistaken. I really can't even remember watching it now, but I know it took place a few months ago. I think it was both guys' last fight. And I think I'm right in saying that maybe Soro might have been winning or something and then Madrimov come from behind to stop him or something. So I'm not sure why there's this rematch. I really am not too sure why. Um, and then the main event, another heavyweight rematch. Um, Derek Chisora, 32-12 and 12 these days in a 12-rounder against Kubrat Pulev, 29-2. and two. Um, Seems like Pulev has been around for such a long time, yet would you believe he's had over 10 fights less than Derek Chisora? And Kubrat Pulev, those two losses, no shame in them whatsoever. They were to Vladimir Klitschko, uh, a good version of him, by the way, and Anthony Joshua. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. You'd normally say that it's got points written all over it, just like the first fight. But Pulev was able to beat Chisora very easily, in my opinion, in the first fight, even though I think it was a split or majority decision. I couldn't understand why. I felt that Pulev had won very clearly. Um, And I'm just not too sure who's got uh, the most left in the tank. I think that's what it really comes down to. However, Pulev looked quite good last time out when he beat... Uh, Jerry Forrest and Chisora looked awful when he was getting dropped by Joseph Parker with shots that didn't even look like much so it seems like his punch resistance has just disappeared so um, yeah I'm not sure what's going to happen but I guess I mean if Chisora can't take a punch anymore then Pulev's going to probably even stop him but I think my money would probably be on for the fight to go to distance but I'm not sure who's going to win because the crowd's going to be there for Chisora. Chisora can outwork Pulev if he really turns up for it but I'm not sure if he can turn up for fights anymore based off of what we saw last time out against Parker it was shocking and um, Kubrat Pulev like I say coming off a good uh, good win last time out even though he's getting right up there in age. Um yeah, did you want to say something about that fight there, Eddie? Yeah, this is, I think, the uh, old folks' home with a, of, of boxing right now with this here, with this here, this here fight. But at the same time, I think Pulev looked pretty decent in his last, in uh, obviously his last outing, and uh, you know he had a little crazy uh, shot show kind of fight with Frank Mir, which was you know a little you know intriguing. But you know he ended up winning. You know, like he should have won it, knocking him out early. Um, I don't know about Chisora at this point, you know, like, but, you know, just when uh, we were all counting him out a little while ago, he, uh, he came out of nowhere and gave a good count of himself against, uh, Usyk and a few other guys actually too, which kind of surprised me. So, I mean, you kind of don't know what you're going to get from Chisora and, you know, he has the heart, he has the, the motor most of the time in the past anyway. Uh, and, but normally he also had the punch resistance, but now it seems like I'm that's kind of failing a little bit and it uh it, i don't know it, it's going to be very interesting to see 
what's going to happen in this particular fight because once you, once again you said like you know I think the first fight they didn't he didn't do as you know that well I guess with uh, with him in the first fight and and now you know he seems to be a little bit more gone or a lot more a lot more gone than he was then and I guess you know he's I don't know what he's expecting at this point you know but he's he's got a fighter's heart he's going to go out there and try and he's going to put his best foot forward but that doesn't mean it's going to be a good foot so uh, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm action wise. It could be interesting, but you know, I just, I just don't know. Uh, it just depends on which, you know, which, which guy gets old first in front of us. So well, we'll, we'll see. And moving out now to the white sands event center in plant city, Florida, USA over here, we've got an undefeated prospect, Caesar Francis, 10 and O with six KOs a welterweight. Um, in his last fight, I mean, I say he's a prospect. He's 31. He is a prospect, but they're really trying to, I guess, um, fast-track him. In his last fight, he was able to beat Mohamed Mamoun, who some people will remember, um, a French guy that I think once upon a time beat um, Sam Eggington, actually. And he's a decent fighter, Mamoun. And I think he also beat Tyrone McKenna, but didn't get the decision. Anyway, this guy was able to beat him um, in a close-ish fight. But, you know, that's the kind of level he's at. He's quite a good fighter. Well, anyway, he gets in with former world champion, friend of the show, Raimundo Beltran, 37-9 and with a draw. That's a huge risk, I'd say, for a guy that's only 10-0. and Unbelievable there. Um, but, yeah, I like fights like that. It's a big risk. Um, on the undercard, Christian Fun, who's 8-0 and in an 8-rounder against Curtis Harper, who's 13-8. and I can't believe he's still getting on fight cards. I'm sure they're not going to put him on TV. He might walk out the ring again like he did against Effie Jagbar. Um, moving out now to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. This one's going to be live on Showtime. I absolutely cannot wait for this card here, by the way. Um, let's start with the undercard. We've got Frank Martin, 15-0, in a 10-rounder against Jackson Marinez, who's 19-2. That'll be a good fight, by the way. We've also got Ramon Cardenas, who's 20-1, in a 10-rounder against Michelle Banquez, who's also 20-1. We've got Rashidi Ellis, who's 23-0, in a 10-rounder against Alberto. Palmetta, who is 17 and 1, and now getting on to the two really juicy fights. We're going to start with this one here. It's the chief support, um, uh, I believe. We've got Brandon Figueroa, 22 and 1, with a draw, coming off that controversial loss last time out to Stephen Fulton in a fight where he threw over a thousand punches himself. He gets in with Carlos Castro, who's 27 and 1. Both men coming off losses there, uh, their sole losses of their career. Um, Carlos Castro's loss was to Luis Neary. It was a split decision loss, and Castro himself was down in the first round. Obviously, we know that Brandon Figueroa got in with Luis Neary and took his O and stopped him. Um, I think that was about a year ago now or something like that. So, yeah, doesn't necessarily mean that Brandon Figueroa is going to have a lot of fun with... Um, with uh, Carlos Castro, you know, things don't work like that, triangle theories don't work like that in boxing, but it's going to be interesting, they're both really super bantamweights moving up here uh, to featherweight for this one, so it's going to be interesting, and the main event, we had him on, I think it was last week's show, Mark Magseo of the Philippines, 24-0, defending his WBC featherweight world title that he just ripped away from Gary Russell Jr., um, he gets in with Ray Vargas, who in some ways, I 
guess he's a bit of a forgotten man because the guy is 35-0, and 0, but no one's been really talking about him, and the reason why they haven't been talking about him is because he's been quite inactive. He's only had one fight in the last three years, and three years ago... Um, he was a world champion, he defended his title, I'm not sure what, what kept him out of the ring, because he boxed, basically, he boxed in uh, July of 2019, that was the last fight he had as a world champion, and he won the fight, and then he was out the ring for about two, and a, maybe just under two and a half years, um, and he wasn't a world champion anymore, so I'm not sure what happened there, and I think he moved up in weight as well, so I don't know what kept him out for so long, but... He's still a really good fighter. So, yeah, like I say, this one is at featherweight. Um, but, yeah, once upon a time, there was a lot of hype around Vargas, but he's been so inactive um, that, yeah, the hype isn't really there anymore. And I think it's going to be quite interesting. I know that Mark Magseo seems to deliver on entertainment every single time we see him. So all the best to him. He's a very, very nice guy. Um, moving out now to the final card to mention. It takes place, actually, on Wednesday. So this time... Next week, we will be reviewing it. So here we are previewing it. Um, it's at the Ota City General Gymnasium in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, let's start with the undercard. We've got Daigo Higa, who these days is 17-2 and two with a draw. I remember once upon a time when he was coming through, Daigo Higa. And um, I think he was 14-0, and 0, if I'm not mistaken, with 14 KOs. That's what I think he was. Um, might have been 15-0, and 0, 15 KOs. And he got knocked out by Christopher Rosales in a real big upset loss. And I think he was really weight-drained. I think he, he fouled the weight and all the rest of it. Then he was out the ring for about two years. Then he come back, and he never really looked the same, to be totally honest. He come back with a win, then a draw, then a win... And his last uh, fight, he lost to a guy who was 3-0, by the way. So that was a year and a bit ago. And now he gets back in with this guy here, who is called Froilan Salodar, who's 32-5. and five, um, Super flyweight. Ah, oh, this is the guy. Okay, this is the guy that lost um, in December, just gone to Andrew Maloney. Okay, 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 okay. Interesting. But yeah, once upon a time, Daigo Higo was this killer coming through. And... Um, you know, he's a world champion and all the rest of it. And, yeah, it's, it's crazy because he is another guy that's, you know, his career's just disappeared really so rapidly. But, yeah, still a really exciting fighter. He's had 20 fights. Remember, the guy's only a super flyweight or whatever. The guy has had 20 fights. Only two of them have gone the distance. So, yeah, every single win he's got has been by knockout. Uh, elsewhere on that card, the main event, Kazoto Ioka, 28-2. and two. Um, defending his WBO World Super Flyweight title against Donny Nietes, who I believe is probably, what, about, f I think he's a four-weight world champion. 43-1 and one with six draws, over 12 rounds there. Um, yeah, it's a good fight. Donny Nietes, at this point in his career, I don't know what he's got left. Has he got enough left to beat Ioka? Uh, possibly. It's going to be good. It's going to be good in Tokyo, but anyway, that is it for the preview part of the show, um, we've kind of whizzed through this show very quickly, in part one, we did the review part of the show, our special guest this week was Michael McKinson, who of course, in just a month from today, gets in with Virgil Ortiz Jr., it's going to be a fantastic fight between the undefeated American and the undefeated Brit, of course, I'm pulling for my man, Mikey McKinson, and then in part two, we started it with the news part of the show we wrapped it up with the preview part the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 351 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A special thank you to our special guest, the undefeated welterweight contender Mikey McKinson, just a month now till he gets in in Texas against Virgil Ortiz Jr. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners, but that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.